again here in uh -oh. this sequence. Uh -oh. Lost the figure four. Great job by Charlotte. Oh, look Flair. at the position of Oscar's foot. Oh my God. Oh, bridge. The figure eight is in. Figure eight. Is Oscar gonna tap out? Oh my God. Here is your winner by submission. Flair has done the unimaginable. She is the new SmackDown Women's Champion heading to WrestleMania. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hey everybody, welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. It's been a lengthy day. How are you, Wei? Doing all right. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, just finished watching SmackDown and ready to discuss it. They didn't give us any shortage of topics to discuss, and that's not even Sorry. including all... Fuck. Oh, you're still watching SmackDown. Oh, my... I had it on my phone and it just keep kept playing. Oh. Well, we... don't spoil anything. People might not have watched SmackDown yet, and they might just be listening to the review for a tease of what has happened on Tuesday night. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, yeah, no, you and I have had had a bit of a longer day uh, because earlier we had the opportunity to speak in person with our special surprise interview, John. Yes, it is now up. We got the interview done, so. If you want to head on over onto our site, I'm sure many of you have seen it, Kenny Omega joining us on post-wrestling. And yeah, this turned out great. I mean, we, you and I are somewhat paranoid when it comes to lining up these interviews and not wanting to promise anything before it's officially delivered. But I don't think there was anything that went wrong today. We got plenty of time with him. He was very accommodating. And I was blown away by the amount of press he was doing for this documentary because you know, we were discussing the fact that they were bringing him in to promote this documentary and just curious how much he was he would be doing a lot of, you know, mainstream Toronto based media. And I was curious, like how much traction a, a non WWE performer was going to get. And his schedule was booked solid. He was lined up for 10 interviews on Tuesday, another 10 interviews on Wednesday. Uh, this guy was doing interviews all over the place. So. I was I was very happy that we were able to get the amount of time that we got with him. Yeah, we got about uh, 25 minutes John did uh, in, in a sit down with him. So it's up on our YouTube channel, uh, postwrestling.com, sorry, youtube.com slash postwrestling, as well as on our uh, podcast feeds, which you can just scroll down on your current feed right now. And you can probably find it there. But you're 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 right, because like we were we were there and this was the, the old uh, city TV building, the old the, the old much music building as many people in Toronto would know. And like, they have kind of like the schedule posted of all the people that were appearing, like all the famous people that are appearing in the building that day. And then like Kenny Omega, like just on this list had like three of them. And among them were like outlets like Bloomberg that, I mean, like the Canadian version of Bloomberg that I guess is housed in the same building. And I, I'm kind of curious to like see that interview. Um, but you know, beyond that, a lot of other sports and e-talk and things like that. So He's really making the rounds for this documentary, which I'm hearing is 
the one that is gaining the most traction of, of all of the TSN Canadian um, uh, documentary subjects. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, I, I really enjoyed the discussion with him a lot. I thought we covered quite a bit. And uh, did you enjoy the first interview or the second interview more? Because <laughs> oh, Kenny, God. I knew this guy had a busy schedule, but I, I guess we left like a pretty good impression on him because he just hung out with us and we chatted for another, what would you say, half hour after the interview. And, uh, you know, just really, really engaging guy. And it was uh, a very enjoyable chat, both on camera and off. As always, I, I think the best interviews typically take place uh, when the cameras stop rolling. You know, when people, like, after you and him have been talking for, like, 25 minutes, you kind of get into a bit of a rapport. And I think afterwards, he realized that, first of all, I thought it was very amusing when he was, like, when he started the interview and he was, like, uh, just be honest, um, are you a wrestling fan? <laughs> and I'm just nah. going. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really follow it. No, but I, that- I wanted to talk more about, uh, you know, your... Uh, your affinity for Canadian sports, but then afterwards, you know, he he really complimented you on on how uh, how prepared and how well researched you were, and and at that point, uh, it was the beginning of the second interview that that occurred, uh, I guess, off air, uh, and and it was really fascinating because you know, I, I guess we caught him at the good. I think we were the last of like a certain batch that he was doing, so he didn't have to be anywhere. I think it was just his lunch afterwards, and then he was going off to uh, the TSN studios in Scarborough, so. Um, you know, they weren't in a rush to go anywhere. So it was really great. Like, we pretty much chatted for an hour altogether. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I I've, I feel like he he's, seems to be the type who loves to just talk in depth about, um, you know, wrestling and, and, and philosophies behind wrestling, what's going on currently in, in the wrestling world, uh, either in AEW, WWE, or New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure he just seemed like he enjoyed the conversation you had. Yeah, so I've seen the documentary. Way has not, uh, but on Wednesday night, it's going to be airing if you're in Canada. I know a lot of people outside of Canada have been asking. Uh, I don't have an answer as to when it's going to be available for those outside of Canada. I I feel that this is, you know, unless it pops up online afterwards, which would not surprise me on Wednesday night that, um, you know, bootleg versions of it appear because there's a demand for it. Uh, but it's airing Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on TSN. So if you're in Canada, uh, that's the easiest way to watch it. And Way and I will be back late Wednesday night. We're going to push the double shot to Wednesday night instead of the usual slot of tonight. And we'll go through the documentary. Way has – the true pro that he is is all cut up on Total Bellas because it was the season finale on Sunday. Uh, we'll chat being the elite. And, yeah, the double shot will be up late Wednesday night. All right. That means a early night for me, John. What am I going to do for the rest, with the rest of my evening? How are you caught up in terms of your sleep? Uh, I, I, are, are, have you adjusted to uh, the Eastern time zone? No. I mean, but as you know, my, my sleeping habits are all, all over the place anyway. So I'm not really somebody who really gets jet lagged. Uh, however, I did uh, take a quick nap about like a 90 minute nap. Actually, not even quick. It was an, actually an, an, an excellent nap right before SmackDown. I've told you the greatest thing in my life is the 20 minute nap. I am so refreshed when I, all I need is 20 minutes and I am a new person. It's the best. Should be mandatory. Really? You know, should be, should be a part of the law where every human being is required to take at least a 20 minute nap out of their day. Yeah. Imagine we could all walk around and on our foreheads, we had like like a battery sign like we have for our iPhones and we could see how drained we are and you need to recharge. Like a little moon symbol, like a do not disturb. 
Oh, that would be great too. Yeah. yeah. Man, that would be a fantastic idea. We're probably not that far away from it. Yeah, I I would love it. Like I I feel I do walk around with a universal sign <laughs> of do not disturb. It's called my headphones are in my ears. Don't come up and just start talking to me. It's happened way too many times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'll work on that. Yeah. I've been called out by friends who've been, "Hey, I saw you and I was calling out and you didn't respond." I was like, "Did did I had he- did I have headphones on?" Well, yeah, I think so. Okay, I I think we have gotten to the answer of this dilemma. Translation. What, what am I expect to do? I am I'm to keep one earbud out for the chance that you may be driving by and you may want to yell out so that I can yell out and we acknowledge I know you, you know me. We're seeing each other unexpectedly later. So translation, don't say hi to John. I just don't get upset if I got my headphones on and I don't and I I don't respond to you. This is not a one time thing. This has happened to me. It's happened many times. I will say, but I will say, and I'm not the only one to feel this way. I I would say you are somebody when you are in headphones mode who is I tune everything out. You have yeah. You you maybe have have more tunnel vision than most when you have your headphones out. So maybe you're already really good. Like you talk, we talked about meditating. I think you're probably already really good at it. Cause you I, really... I bet, I bet there is. I do my best thinking when I just walking around with my music on. Yeah, there you go. I love it. It's, it's relaxing and I'm just, I'm in my head. I don't have to be listening to people. I, I just I tune out the world way. It's wonderful. Uh, and it, where to go? There's so many uh, directions we can go. Um, Take us through alphabetical, the show. alphabetically. Oh, um, okay. Let's let's talk about what's on the schedule this week. Okay, so the Kenny Omega interview is up uh, once again. It's you can download the podcast version or give us a nice subscribe at YouTube.com/slash Post Wrestling, and the video version is up there too, uh, where you can take a look at myself visually, uh, Kenny's uh, very popular. Uh, Nintendo cartridge t-shirt that he wore and contrast that uh, with my boots that some people were not as big a fan of. Are they Bluntstones? Yeah, they're uh, they're they're Bluntstones, yes. I think they're cool. They're okay. They've seen better days, but I mean, it's, it's the winter. I don't really... Uh, it, it was funny. I actually did think this morning when I was leaving if I should wear uh, my my white Adidas shoes. Just because it's going to be on camera, and I, I did, I didn't have the care to say ah, it doesn't matter. That was my attitude. And then that one comment came. I'm like, <laughs> should have worn those goddamn Dude. nicer looking shoes. Ah, you would have had comments no matter what you wore. I'm sure that's what YouTube ah, yes. is for. It is. It is. If it's anything, really watch the YouTube keep video. Grounded. If anything, watch the YouTube video just for the YouTube comments. The, uh, I, I would say the uh, the greatest literary works that exist on the internet. Yes, absolutely. How how can anyone deny that? Uh, on Wednesday, the double shot, as we mentioned, that is up for uh, members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Thursday, actually, Wednesday, uh, live watch-along. Do we have any information? I want to watch this. Where can I go watch it? Well, speaking of YouTube, the BDE, not only have they recently launched their own pro wrestling tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash up next, uh, they have also just launched their own YouTube channel. So, Damn. What's gotten into Braden this week? They're growing up so fast. I'm so proud of these guys. Uh, but yes, you can find them at BDE Official. At this time, it may or may not be available, but if you search BDE Official, which I'm doing I, right I would now, imagine if you search BDE, uh, who knows what you'll find. 
Uh, you'll find a lot. Uh, so I've just typed in BDE official, and what comes up are <laughs> not Braden and Davey. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of other things. Uh, among them, Bond dos Eternos, which uh, I don't think they'll be doing a up next watch along. But okay, follow at the Brady or at Davey Portman, and uh, Wednesday, six thirty p.m. Is that right, John? 6.30. p.m. Eastern. They're doing a live watch along of TakeOver Brooklyn number one. So you can join them, watch it along in preparation for the latest edition of uh, TakeOver. So uh, watch and, and enjoy and interact. If you go to uh, Google News, you can get both uh, an update on how big Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live's BDE is or... You could read about Ecuador's uh, BDE, uh, the Ecuador Development Bank, BDE, who have recently approved loans of $660 million U.S. in 2018, down from $753 million the year prior. Thanks. Maybe, maybe Bloomberg asked Kenny Omega about uh, BDE, uh, Ecuador's uh, loans for 2018 and contrasting it to 2017. Maybe. Perhaps. On Thursday, Braden and Davey will be back again with a new edition of Up Next, chatting the uh, second-to-final NXT episode before TakeOver. And this week's show will feature the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic that the entire wrestling world knows the result of, except for Davey Portman. So tune in as Davey (laughs) finds out who has won this tournament that ended weeks and weeks and weeks ago. (laughs) But the man somehow uh, blocks out news and the world. Do you... Like, are are you... Getting much flack for posting results or or something? No, no, I'm not. I oh, just okay. I listened to the show, and I mean, when Tommaso Ciampa got injured and they had to vacate the title and all that, I mean, Davey avoided everything until it happened on the show. Well, I mean, I don't know how he does it. Dedication, or well, yeah, like, you you really have to go out of your way to avoid that kind of news. I think muted words are, are a real game changer on Twitter. Um, maybe just. Knowing, I guess, what sources to check and what which sources not to check. Also on Thursday, we've got the Cafe Hangout. That is live 3 p.m. Eastern Time, our call-in slash guest show. If you are a double-double, ice cap, or espresso member, you can tune in live and you can even call in live. Uh, we accept all calls. Uh, Brandon from New Jersey is evidence. We will take calls from anybody. Uh, and this week, we will be joined by Nate Milton of many, many podcasts fame, including the Kings of Sport, who are also on Patreon. Nate will join us live. Uh, always great to catch up with Nate Milton, the man behind the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, the podcast that is sweeping the nation. Very excited for that. Yes, we'll be, I, I understand, chatting in particular about the Kofi Kingston storyline. Yes, uh, which kind of culminated, uh, at least with the match announcement on Tuesday night. Friday, I'm going to have an interview up on the site with uh, Mike Bond of MMA Junkie, who's been hanging out with uh, at American Top Team over the past couple of days, and he'll be at the Fight Night card in Philadelphia this weekend. Also, Rewind Away is out for patrons, and we'll be joined by Jay Hunter of OSW Review to chat about two wrestling-themed episodes of The Simpsons. Looking forward to it. And Saturday, WH Park is back. I'm out of breath now. That's a lot of shows coming up this week, but we never slow down. And if you think this is a lot, wait till next week when insanity takes over beginning next Thursday. Yeah, culminating with the granddaddy of them all, Post Wrestling Live in New York. Postwrestling.com slash live. 
noon at the Broadway Comedy Club. Tickets still available. $25 for the general public and $20 for cafe members. That will be the peak of WrestleMania weekend, and then you can have a nice uh, come down uh, with seven hours of WrestleMania afterwards. That can be dessert. Uh, so looking forward to all of that. And sometime next week, we will be doing a show uh, previewing all of what is going on WrestleMania weekend. Uh, so that is to come. Our schedule, uh, we're still figuring it out next week because we are doing some traveling and we'll be at a lot of shows next week as well. But plenty of shows coming your way uh, next week on the site. News to discuss, Way. Um, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, okay, we got to start off with Conor McGregor. Oh, so, do we? Uh, we do. I thought we were going to be starting and simply talking about a tweet that I don't know how much weight people were putting into, but there was a bigger Conor McGregor story that was uh, reported by the New York Times, a very uh, serious story. And I'm just going to read uh, par- uh, part of the story here uh, from their report. Conor McGregor, the Ultimate Fighting Championship's biggest star and one of the world's highest paid athletes, is under investigation in Ireland after a woman accused him of sexual assault in December, according to four people familiar with the investigation. McGregor has not been charged with a crime. Following the usual protocol in criminal investigations in Ireland and much of Europe, where a formal charge does not necessarily follow an arrest, McGregor was arrested in January, questioned by law enforcement authorities, and released, pending further investigation, according to the people. The allegations have not been proved, and the fact that an investigation is continuing does not imply that McGregor is guilty of a crime. A lawyer for McGregor in Dublin did not respond to messages seeking comment, and it ends that on Tuesday, McGregor announced his retirement from UFC, though a spokeswoman said it was unrelated to the investigation. Um, one of uh, McGregor's publicists did send out a lengthier statement uh, to Ariel Hawani and stated that uh, – I have the exact uh, release here. This story has been circulating for some time. It is unclear why it is being reported now. The assumption that the Connor retirement announcement today is related to this rumor is absolutely false. Should Connor fight in the future, it must be an environment where fighters are respected for their value, their skill, their hard work, and their dedication to the sport. Uh, so that is the um, – I would say larger story at play. And again, reiterating from the story, he has not been charged. Uh, there is an investigation, but I think that is important to note in all of this. Um, but certainly a very big story. And when the New York Times is covering it, it is going to get um, that much more coverage when such a prestigious outlet is um, reporting on this, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, without kind of following through with the investigation, there's not really that much to comment on. Um but what I found interesting from the article was just knowing how um, maybe the law works in terms of libel in 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 in, in a scenario like this, and how careful uh, the people the, the 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 sources are uh, even discussing it in like a private meeting, not wanting they to would mention- not name him. He was known as um, the sportsman or something like that. Like they were not naming him. Yeah. Um, and it's and obviously the New York Times uh, isn't necessarily uh, subject to the same. I don't know. Um, rules? I mean, th- 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 those kinds of laws are not are not privy to them. I mean, they they had the story. They they went ahead with it that there is an ongoing investigation. Um, you, you can certainly debate that from um from a moral standpoint. That um, obviously, like uh, an accusation like that, um, you know, obviously, if proven true, that is a scarlet letter you wear. And being attached to that, if someone is wrongfully accused, um. That's 
that's one of the worst things you can be accused of. So I, I think you have to be so careful when you're talking about these stories, and that's not to uh, mitigate the accusations. You absolutely um, have to get to the bottom of this and and investigate and and find out what the story is. I would be. You know, uh, we'll get into the Conor McGregor tweet um, as well about whether he's fighting or again. But do you take any pause of uh, going ahead and trying to book a fight with Conor McGregor while this is ongoing? Or would you believe that the UFC would take the tack that it's an investigation, nothing has been proven, and we are going to go and it's business as usual? And do you think that the public would have any pushback if Conor McGregor were booked in a fight for July with this story at large and mm-hmm. obviously casting a shadow now that it's out in the open if the investigation like does not really develop and kind of stands at, at, at this point as you know just him him being accused um i having been through uh episodes with connor and and the whole dolly incident uh even having been through something like john jones not to say the two are are, are the same at all but um and seeing how the the, the the buy rates did for all those shows, I don't think the public would care one bit. Uh, everybody would still tune in to the next Conor fight um, in the same amount as uh, previous fights. Same with... Uh, and, and yeah, if you're the UFC, I don't think this matters to you at all. Um, you, If you need Conor to uh, you know, make ESPN happy, uh, that's and if he's available and willing to fight, then I, I don't see any th- this affecting it at all. I think that that would be a real – that to me would be – for anyone that is looking at this relationship between ESPN and UFC, um, that to me would really put this to the ultimate test of putting Conor McGregor in that outlet where he would be expected to promote such a fight and this would come up. I mean ESPN journalists would bring this up to him and I think that that would be uh, – it, it would certainly be uh, – I think it would be a big shadow over the fight, but I don't disagree with you that I think ultimately uh, Connor fighting where it's a pending investigation. I think the audience would simply ignore this story until something concrete is proven and it would still be an enormous fight. Yeah. I mean, like just even this past year with, with the UFC and, and uh, so many, I would say unsavory characters being associated with the company. uh, I don't think this even, this would give them any pause at all. Uh, in terms of the the tweet, yeah, you and I were discussing this earlier in the day. Um, Conor McGregor, late Monday night, he put out an announcement stating that he was retiring from the the sport formerly known as mixed martial art today, uh, which I took to mean he maybe he's just retiring from one specific discipline. Maybe he's giving up wrestling. Um, I've never really heard wrestling be referred to formally as mixed martial art. But, it was singular. Okay. It's it's kind of hard to be singular and mixed maybe at the same time. Maybe he means, time. like, painting. <laughs> maybe he's no longer... Uh, may, maybe it's a real self-reflective moment that he's giving up, not painting, but maybe he's he doesn't want to draw anymore. He doesn't want to be relied upon as to draw. I would say, you know, something like that tells you how little attention he probably paid to this retirement tweet... And I think it tells you how little attention the world should be paying to it. When I, yeah, yeah, that's that's to me is the next question: is it's Conor McGregor, and therefore it's plastered everywhere. And like I understand, like we're not in a position where we can just say this is news. This is not news. I think that Conor McGregor says something like that. It's 
you can't just uh, pretend it doesn't happen. But I'm putting no weight into this, and it's a clear tactic. And it, it, I just, I don't understand what the function is that we really have to have this like meaningful debate of whether this is legitimate or not. I think this is so transparent, um, and. Like I don't I mean, think, no. see why we have to go through this song and dance of uh, whether this is legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it seems that way. Um, I do you see anything changing, perhaps as a result of this other news that has come out? And, and I, I, I really, I don't. Really. I, I know that some have looked at and think that this is somehow coordinated. That one was to uh, overshadow the other. I just don't really buy that. That this. That somehow this New York Times story would just be brushed under the rug because everyone's focused on a retirement tweet. That was never going to happen. Uh, such a, an enormous story like that. So I I kind of lean towards – I understand it is Conor McGregor's publicist. But I I, I kind of don't see the two as being uh, one because of the other. Um, but going to the actual um, strategy here by Conor McGregor. You know, you have to look at the fact that what has changed just in the last week, uh, moving the pay-per-view distribution to ESPN Plus in the U.S., that is certainly going to have an enormous impact on Conor McGregor, who, mm-hmm. I mean, last year, that guy, his fight with Habib Nurmagomedov, that was the equivalent of 44% of what the UFC made off of pay-per-view. That one fight, 44%. So they did 2.4 million buys. ESPN Plus probably doesn't even have 2.4 million subscribers. They're over 2 million, but it's like you're not doing 2.4 million buys on this new platform. So where is a Conor McGregor going to make up that lost income, which is inevitable that that's going to happen in the building of ESPN Plus to compare to the pay-per-view universe that's out there in the U.S.? You probably want to be guaranteed a certain amount saying, hey, I know I'm not going to make the same off my percentage. I want a guarantee that I'm going to get this amount. And for the UFC, that's always been in uh, pay-per-view points for these guys. Like that's where that bonus money comes from. Well, now it's a set fee. And I'm certain that that is something that is being debated over. And if I'm Conor McGregor, do I necessarily want to fight immediately uh, before we know what the audience is going to be like on ESPN Plus for these pay-per-views? Maybe I want to see a few fights happen with John Jones or others and see what kind of buys are we talking about on this service. And, you know, it's it, to me, like this ESPN Plus deal, it's the Conor McGregors that are certainly affected by it that are going to want their money guaranteed up front, much like the UFC is getting a guaranteed amount from ESPN Plus. And for the UFC, they also don't have the same kind of pressure they did of a year ago making sure they get a Conor McGregor fight because even if Conor doesn't fight, they're going to make a ton of money off of what they're guaranteed from ESPN. So it's an interesting power play. And I think that the UFC has um, – you still want Conor McGregor to fight for you. That's obviously more business for everybody. But I don't think they have the same pressure they did a year ago. You're right, yeah, and given you know the the decreased pressure for the UFC, um, and 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 I would say Connor being unhappy, like, can you see Connor leaving the UFC and trying to do this on his own? Well, I mean, he has a contract with the UFC, and that's going to be something that I mean, we, we saw a smaller case of it with Randy Couture believing you know I could retire and then just get out of my contract. Well, that's not how contracts work. I think it would be an 
extensive, extensive battle. And it would be to Connor's benefit to just fight his contract out and then, uh, and then sure, you could try and go it alone. I would say in this day and age, if you're a DAZN, you would absolutely spend tons of money for Connor McGregor to come to your service. If, if Canelo Alvarez is getting $365 million for 11 fights, I don't know if Connor would be that far off from what DAZN would be willing to offer him, but he would have to be contractually free. Does this contract pr- prohibit him from doing boxing? He had to get the he had to have the UFC's approval to do that boxing fight with Floyd Mayweather Jr. So yes, I mean the UFC contracts are pretty. We'll talk about it with Cain Velasquez. Like they pretty much like boxing, pro wrestling. Like you pretty much have to get the UFC to sign off because they don't want their attractions going and making money for someone else that they're somehow cut out of. Like they pretty much have a pretty pretty strong hold on their on their fighters right so they could just ground him they could yeah and ultimately i see this being resolved and i see conor mcgregor fighting before the end of the year i think that that's what most expect it's what i expect Mm. uh so uh with that cain velasquez was at the triple mania press conference on tuesday and he appeared there with a dorian roldan and they announced a deal between Cain Velasquez, AAA, and TV Azteca, who's going to be carrying Triple Mania, which is happening August the 3rd. It'll air live on the network. And they were certainly pushing the idea that Cain Velasquez is going to be involved in a match. And they kind of shot angles with Psycho Clown, El Tejano Jr., and Pentagon Jr., and kind of teasing stuff with Cain, but not outright explaining what he'll be doing there. I did reach out to Cain's management, and I'm waiting to hear back. And... Yeah, this is certainly one that I am I, I think certainly that like he would have to get the the go ahead from the UFC to participate in a actual match. Um mm-hmm. and maybe he ultimately is in a kind of a referee role. I mean, who knows what Kane Velasquez is doing, but um you know, over the last year he's certainly shown an interest towards professional wrestling, spending time at the PC and stating he would like to do it at some point. Right, yeah. I mean, I think of all the MMA converts to professional wrestling, perhaps Kane is one of the names that I'm least or or slightly less optimistic about, uh, just given, I think, what I know about his charisma level. Mark Bocek. Yeah, like a big Mark Bocek. But but Mark Bocek is awesome, okay? Like, Mark Mark Bocek has great anti-charisma. I don't even think, think Kane really has that. So... Um, you know, but in, in, in Mexico, I do feel he would, he is a bigger deal than if he were to do, you know, a WWE show. I think sure. he means way more in Mexico than he does even, even for WWE to bring him in. I don't know how big that would be. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm curious, you know, I hope he actually goes, uh, into a full match. I'd love to see how he fares. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see if this is a, something that come August 3rd actually materializes or if this is something that uh, is a big announcement and then kind of uh, fizzles but that was an interesting one and we'll finally get Kane versus DC perhaps oh man in a match yeah. yeah perhaps maybe there'll be a tag team I mean could we get Kane Velasquez and Daniel Cormier one day against <laughs> Pentagon and Phoenix the brothers of destruction oh my god yeah Kane and... <laughs> yeah the other guy uh, Raw on Monday night did uh, 2,589,000 viewers. They were down 4% from last week. It was their lowest number since February the 11th. So despite all the attention they got that day from the uh, the women's main event announcement, uh, it didn't lead to um, 
a gigantic number, at least compared to the last number of weeks. The crazy stat way, and I don't think a lot of people are looking at this, is the number that they did last year, this same week last year, they were down 23% from what they did last year. And I know that when it comes to television ratings, people will always throw out all the different factors. But when you're looking at last year versus today, cord cutting existed last year. The YouTube clips of Raw were a thing last year. Like all the same factors were there. It tells me that there was a lot. And granted, Ronda Rousey was much more fresh last year. But yeah, it's, I mean, there, there's no denying that there is um, yeah, at least less popularity of the program today than there was last year. Certainly, yeah. Maybe it's just the three-hour drag that that has just uh, driven a whole lot, a lot of people eroded their audience over the past year. Mm. I'd be curious people's feedback. Like, what has led to over the past year um, less interest? Is it more? I, I I'm curious. What has like that's a notable drop, twenty three percent less what, people watching this year than last year. From what you gathered, do you think there was more interest for last year's WrestleMania or uh, two weeks out for this one? You know, I feel there is a lot of interest for this year's show with the main event, with the with the, the women's three-way. Um, it feels like a much bigger match. I don't know. This year's, to me, feels... Uh, watching it, it feels like a bigger match than... I don't know. Do you feel it's bigger than Ronda's debut last year? Or Again, do you think they're... I think I think it's it's a question about you know um, it's hard for me to answer what like outside of this bubble um, mm-hmm. how how people feel because I would say within the bubble there's to me more interest in this year's WrestleMania given uh, uh, people like uh, Becky Lynch and Kofi Kingston I think uh, being you know representatives of like uh, what this actual hardcore fan base has wanted and has kind of willed into existence into title programs so but I've, the bubble's smaller this year. Could be, yeah, could be. Um, but you know, from a mainstream perspective, um, does you know, let's say Ronda Rousey, who I think is the biggest mainstream star, we can all agree, heading into this year's WrestleMania, does she carry more interest uh, this year than I guess last year? It would have been her as well. Um, and what was that? Like Reigns versus Brock? Roman? I, 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 I'll or tell Brock. you. I, I think Brock means a lot less this year. I think they've yeah. done a number on Brock. I don't feel he feels that special this year going into this match i mean he hasn't been around much i don't think it's like the story is is been on seth and seth has been in all these detours that i don't know brock kind of he's in a prominent match but uh, i i would say of all the brock wrestlemania matches i would say this this is the year brock feels the least um impactful yeah so anyway i I think it's just interesting to look uh year over year at where their numbers are compared to last year that takes us into SmackDown Tuesday night uh, from Uncasville, Connecticut, and several changes to the uh, the WrestleMania card that we will get into. Tom Phillips announced it was a sellout at the Mohegan Sun Arena, and the New Day comes out. They're throwing pancakes, and then Xavier channels Lance Storm and asks if we can be serious for a minute. And he said that the people have been on this ride for almost five years, from New Day sucks to New Day rocks. And they've discussed walking away because of the obstacles that have been placed in front of Kofi Kingston and how poorly he has been treated for 11 years. Kofi exudes positivity and they want answers from Vince McMahon. They call him out and they say, we are willing to wait all night long. And Vince McMahon comes out 
followed by Daniel Bryan and Rowan. And Bryan tells Vince, stop placating their egos. Let them quit. The New Day is just a stale novelty act. You could call up three guys from NXT and call them Fresh Afternoon. And I thought he raced through this line way too quick because that was a gem of a line. It was very good. I mean, sometimes you, I like that, though. You know, like not, not having to force feed it to the audience and just having it be, be very Like if you bad. got it, you got it. If you missed it, yeah. too bad. I thought it was very funny. I laughed. Mm. And says they can, the new fresh afternoon, they can throw their pancakes. He said Kofi lost last week. He said he waffles. Lost waffles, actually. Oh, sorry, waffles. I'm sorry. Uh Kofi lost last week. He lost at Fastlane, and he lost at Elimination Chamber, including to Brian. I thought Brian outlined a pretty solid case for himself. Yeah, but I mean, they were all, um, through, you know, through uh, unfair means. Those losses. Woods said that Brian is too scared to face him one on one, and Brian has become a hypocrite and become everything he fought against. McMahon tells them all to shut up, and he wants to address this quitting crap he calls it a psychological tactic i think he was uh up to date on this conor mcgregor tweet today that or i mean what's going on in his own backstage area how much of this do you feel like was you know meta uh i'm I'm sure they were um it was it certainly had a double meaning for those that are following you know some unhappy campers within the wwe hmm he says that Kofi will always be a B-plus player. Brian was just playing the suck-up role to Vince. And then Vince asks if Xavier Woods and Big E are B-plus play, uh, B plus team and tells Kofi to go to the back and have a soda. And if Woods and Big E can win a gauntlet match tonight, then Kofi is in the match at WrestleMania. Yes. So another gauntlet match. Yeah, well, he said, Kofi, you're not getting any more chances, and then kind of gives him one more. But, uh, yeah, another gauntlet match. Um, I think I've had my fill of gauntlet matches. <laughs> I have, too. Um, but you know what? It worked so well for them with uh, Rollins. Uh, they tried it again with Sasha, and they, it worked really well for them with Woods, uh, so much so that they decided to do it two more times, including... <laughs> That's a lot of gauntlet matches uh, you just listed off. More than I remembered. It really is a lot. I mean, it's it's kind of become a trope that uh, of, of theirs that I think they're relying a little too hard on. Hopefully tonight will be the last one for a bit. Okay. Well, I'm going to have a question for you at the end of our recap of this gauntlet match. Becky Lynch is interviewed backstage, and she asks, what is it that Charlotte brings to the match at WrestleMania? Noting Ronda is the champion. She won the Rumble. What's What is Charlotte doing? And then Charlotte's theme plays, and she comes out, we go to a break, come back, and Charlotte's in the ring, and she says she's going to show how deserving she is, and with that, Asuka's music plays, and they announce a title defense, Asuka versus Charlotte, and I think everyone knew where this was going, um, and yeah, that takes us into the match. I don't know uh, if everybody knew, but... Certainly- I, th- I thought this was pretty telegraphed by the... The moment this match started, I think everyone knew where the direction was. Well, perhaps, yeah. I think also the fact that this was so, like, out of nowhere. Title change out of nowhere. Or title uh, this, shot. Yeah. I, it, it was described to me, this was a last-minute curveball. And that's 
it just seems like this was an idea. Like, were they not? They were pushing that fatal four way on Monday, I believe, during Raw. Sorry, it was like described they, to you as a curveball. Like that, yes, meaning like a, is this, this to, plan? So, um, were there other uh, reasons involved for this other than wanting to put the belt onto Charlotte? I think I think that's that was it. Right. Okay. I think they just want to emphasize and make the main event bigger. So this was a curveball for like the writers. Yes. Like a curveball they created themselves, not like to hide an injury, obviously, or anything. No, no, it was it was just um, a plan that I, I don't know who came up with the plan. I don't know who where it ultimately comes down to. I mean, obviously, Vince signed off on it. Um, but yeah, it was just a plan to do something different. Uh, I haven't heard of any injury or anything like that. I think this well, was they just both a plan. To- this match, so yeah, exactly. And it's I think all it was is to put more stakes for the main event. I think that was that's all it comes down to. Um, there were also some local ads running for the uh, the Superstar Shakeup episodes next month in Montreal, and they're promoting for the Monday Raw a Shield uh, match together with the three of them, and Tuesday's SmackDown they're promoting around Kevin Owens returning to Montreal. Okay, so the Shield thing likely untelevised, probably untelevised. I would imagine, but at least Dean is around till at least that show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's being advertised locally. Uh, they also aired a trailer for Ms. and Mrs. Season 2. Great. Exciting. Oscar Charlotte Flair. Uh, match starts. Uh, they ended up going through two commercials here. Charlotte kicked out Oscar's knee and worked on the knee. Oscar uh, eventually came back, landing a code breaker onto Charlotte, but in the process injuring the knee that had been worked upon. Charlotte went to the top, landed on her feet from a moonsault, and Oscar caught her with the Oscar lock. Charlotte rolled out of that. Then they fight on top, and Charlotte hit a Spanish fly for a near fall. Then Charlotte gets on top with elbows. Oscar goes for a triangle, and Charlotte slams her out, goes for the figure four, but Oscar counters with a cross-face attempt, gets reversed, and then finally Charlotte applies the figure four, bridging for the figure eight. Oscar taps out, and Charlotte, they announce, is an eight-time women's champion, which would include her reigns as a Raw, SmackDown, and Divas champion. Since 2015, she was in tears holding up the title. Um, you never forget your eighth title reign. That's a special <laughs> one. And uh, I, I thought it was a really strong match. Yeah, it was strong, you know, especially for TV. But I think, you know, so so often we think about when, when we think of Charlotte and Asuka, like their potential. And I thought they reached their potential last year at WrestleMania uh, on that stage. And, and I just can't help but, like, compare that match to this one and see – uh, you know, these two, they have tremendous chemistry together. You just kind of put them like in any scenario together. And I think you'll get a pretty great match, but without any of the grandeur, without any of the anticipation for this match, it, it just didn't feel all that satisfying. Um, I, I, I think that people that were negative on this, it was because of Oscar who I, I would have to imagine she is not getting her own match any longer at WrestleMania. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the plan is for her, but, um, I heard, and, and as, I wonder what the plan was supposed to be. If there was, it was Oscar against the winner of the Fatal Four Way tonight. And who? Um, yeah, yeah, that was the question. Yeah, I don't know who. Uh, I mean, I I got the update on Tuesday morning that the women's battle royal is still a go, and I would say this outcome only reinforces that. And I would imagine that's where she ends up. Yeah. In the end, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that, you know, concerns of the show being a little too long uh, with, what, 13 matches already on this card? Um, 
that that you know maybe played into part of the decision to take the belt off of Asuka, incorporate the belt into the main event, and thus you know chop away one of the matches while you know still keeping your belt on the show. Uh, it's really unfortunate for Asuka, who I mean for this entire title run, it's just been terrible. Really, there's no re really a, a, any other way to categorize it. For most of the time, in any of her feuds, she hasn't really been featured on TV. Um, I can't even... The last defense was what? Elimination Chamber? Dude, was that even a defense? Um, I'm trying to remember. She, yeah, she had the match against uh, Mandy Rose at the pay-per-view. Wow, amazing. Amazing run. But it's it's been really unfortunate. And uh, I don't know, like... Clearly, they didn't really have much planned for her other than, you know, giving her the belt. Um, so I'll, I'll say that it, I think there's negative and positive to this. The negative is I think it completely throws out that Royal Rumble result when Becky lost to Asuka. Like that to me is a meaningless loss now for Becky Lynch because mm -hmm. I, I don't see them paying that off. There's no reason to anymore um, unless it's going to be, you know rehabbing Asuka post-WrestleMania. It's a program you can do. I just think it's really lost its luster because there's been no follow-up or mention, and I think that's out of people's mind at this moment. I didn't even remember it. Well, there you go. I do feel like you have now taken the SmackDown women's title, and you have elevated it. That is an important title on this show now, and it wasn't with Asuka's match. Instead of being yeah. a match that could be on the kickoff, it, the title is more prominent, and... I don't know if this means they unify the titles or they're going to the winner. The, the winner at least walks out with two titles. And I I prefer that than having one strong title, one weak title. Like, why don't you just uh, put them together? I So I did not disagree with this idea. Um, it's unfortunate for Asuka, but not for the title. I think like I think having it like just sit on the commentator's desk would have been elevating this title. More so than you know what Asuka has been doing with it, they've just haven't been using her. So I, I to me, I think it's it's more uh, of an indictment on how poorly this run has been for her, rather than um, you know maybe maybe saving this belt uh, and and this belt being elevated by being placed into this this championship match, which they have not announced yet, is for both titles. It, they they mentioned it was still just for the Raw belt, but that could change next week. No, and again, like this seems like this was just an idea that had been come up with. So I, I don't even know if they've decided yet how they're going to do this at WrestleMania. Like they never said unifying. They didn't. They didn't explain how this was going to work. It was just the graphic was updated, and Charlotte's got the title, Ronda's got the title, and Becky doesn't. But I think that visual of Becky holding up both titles at the end of WrestleMania, I think that is the closing visual. But. What does it mean when you just rush the belt to get into a position for her to have a visual? Like, I think a visual is only so great unless, like, if it's not, you know, like, properly earned through a good storyline, which this is not at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just recreating the, just the Daniel prop. Bryan clothes with the, the two titles. Yeah, and at that point, it was just a prop. I mean, sure, it looks great in hindsight. Uh, like, Chris Jericho holding up both belts looks really good, but... Uh, I don't know if I if I'm being asked whether or not I'm I'm I have really that much more anticipation for this main event because it's going to be for both belts. I don't think it matters one bit. Maybe Vince McMahon was going down a uh, a rabbit hole on YouTube after reading this Conor McGregor tweet, and he pulled up UFC uh, the fight with Eddie Alvarez and saw a double champion and thought, oh, that's really cool. Irish guy with two titles. We've got an Irish woman, but there's only one title on the line. Fuck it. Asuka, 
We need her title. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, Kurt Angle comes out for his match and passes Charlotte on the way. And they noted that Charlotte was not done with her celebration yet, but I guess Kurt was. They interviewed AJ in the back. He is honored to be Angle's final opponent on SmackDown. This historic final match on SmackDown of Kurt Angle's career. He's not taking this lightly. This is not a warm-up. It's not an exhibition match. It was worse. Kurt Angle, AJ Styles. The bell rings. They shake hands. They hug. Angle hits a German. Goes for the Angle slam. Styles rolls into the calf crusher. Angle reverses out into the ankle lock. Styles escapes. Randy Orton runs in, RKO, one minute and 29 seconds. Way, I'm getting ready that my tag match scenario is going to play out. (laughs) Instead, Kurt hit Orton with the angle slam. The segment ended. This sucked. It it, it was terrible. I take back what I said yesterday. They should not have advertised this in advance because it made it that much worse to set people's expectation at anything and deliver this. I... Not only like did we get disappointed by the lack of a match, oh. but I thought first of all I thought that angle slam to Orton was like the slowest angle slam ever that I've seen Kurt deliver. And Orton, who I think you know, like you and I kind of talked about that him being one of the more protected heels and him probably not uh, taking a loss to to Kurt Angle or something like that. I didn't think it was necessary at all for Orton to t- take that really slow angle slam because coming out of this segment. I don't think anybody looked good. I don't think AJ looked good. I don't think Kurt Angle looked good. Uh, and I don't even think Orton, the heel doing the running, looked good. Taking the slowest angle slam ever from like a 50-year-old man. So I don't really understand that portion of it. Um, and man, it's it was just, it was very disappointing, sure, if you were looking forward to it. Like, I, I just wish this wasn't even on the show. I, I thought it was, th- like, why tease people with, with something of value? Um knowing that this is the end result. Like, I wish it would have just been someone more throwaway. Or at least don't even announce it so you don't even build up expectation. But they announced this on Sunday, and there seemed to be, like, a legitimate buzz that, oh, that's a really cool match for SmackDown. Could it I be? thought it was, uh, gr- you know, a great idea to announce that two days in advance. I know it wasn't going to be one of their TNA classics, but I thought they'd get seven minutes. Yeah. Could it be that, you know, this gauntlet might have been a, a, a last-minute thing? And that ate up a lot of the time. Uh, I don't know when they came up with it. I mean, the Kofi thing, they you would think that they had an idea in mind because that was the primary focus from coming out of last week. Like, you knew this show, you had to come up with that. Um, yeah, but maybe, I mean, the gauntlet, maybe, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I can't tell you. But this just was very, very disappointing. Low light of the show for me. WWE.com caught up with Rey Mysterio and Dominic, who is now uh, Rey's mouthpiece. He explained that Samoa Joe is nothing like Kofi Kingston or his father. He only cares about himself. And Rey's going to teach Joe a lesson when he stands up for himself and his family and becomes the U.S. champion at WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm not so sure about this Dominic stuff. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting for Joe to like mess this kid up now that he's old <laughs> enough to take bumps. Because I don't see any other redeeming quality with with Dominic. I mean, I haven't seen him wrestle. I know Lance Storm's been training. Um, we'll see how that turns out. But I charismatically through the, these promos, uh, maybe I would prefer Cain Velasquez. Well, maybe maybe Dominic can bring in. Maybe Dominic's going to turn on Dad. 
Oh, yeah. I could definitely see that happening. You put me up in a ladder match at SummerSlam against Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. What kind of father are you? <laughs> yeah. No the Joe Miz- this week. Yeah, no. No Joe. The Miz came out. He said that Shane McMahon has lit a fire underneath him. He's been here for 13 years. Shane made this personal by putting his hands on his father, and he wants everyone to see him destroy Shane. He wants their match to be a falls count anywhere match. So, Way, you were the one that were thinking, man, they shouldn't go long. Uh, This guarantees they are going long, and it is going to be Shane McMahon's big playground at MetLife Stadium. And I guess with Asuka's match out of the way, that time is going to be directed to this one. Uh, yeah, or I mean, you know, this this was probably scheduled to go like twenty anyway. Oh. But I think, you dude, can... there's a lot of stipulations that they are throwing onto this show at the last minute. I think some of these matches need it, you know, and certainly this is a match that needs it. Um, we know that it's it's all to set up for like some type of big Shane stunt. I kind of look forward to it. What's Shane going to jump off of at, at at you know at, at MetLife Stadium? Um, is I that hope... not more for a babyface than? heel Shane McMahon doing the big stunt that everyone's anticipating. Well, yeah, sure. But I mean, when we're talking about moments, John, come on. Heels and moments, moments transcend characteristics of the individual. Yes. Yes. Come on. Don't think for a second that Shane isn't going to do something crazy at this show. Maybe that should be his thing. He teases something and then he doesn't do it. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe we'll see. He it. wants to chain wrestle. He'll be the most yeah, overheel in the entire we- weekend. Yeah, maybe we'll just see a bunch of great submissions. I was yeah. waiting for Shane to come out and say, I want a submission match with you, Miz. Yeah. 60 <laughs> minutes. Yes. Shane comes out and he brings out a security wall. And then with his backup, the new Mean Street Posse, consisting of Sanity, Shelton Benjamin, and Primo. Who the announcers, I don't even know if they remembered what his name was, if it was Primo or Epico, because they never identified Primo here. I thought this visual was really, really difficult. I'm sorry, but the Miz Mm -hmm. being the one that is being contained by security, I mean, it just, I cannot buy Stone Cold Miz. I'm totally with you. I feel like most of this, like, storyline has been really good. I think for me, it's really worked for the most part because Miz has always kind of been in this like gray area where you don't know if he's a heel or just a baby face pretending to be a baby face before he turns heel on Shane. Now that we know he's a full blown baby face after Shane's turn, he's having to play the role of a straight up baby face. And I find it tough. I find it tough to accept, especially when you play him, put him in these like very, you know, uh, cliched babyface scenarios that you would typically see a Stone Cold Steve Austin or even a John Cena in. Instead, though, you have The Miz, the same guy who still comes out looking kind of obnoxious in his suit, who turns his mic flashes upside down into an M because he's apparently so full of himself. But him inside this kind of against all odds type of setting that, again, is usually reserved for somebody as more beloved than him, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, to me, it was t- kind of tough to accept. Dude, he went through six security guys and five wrestlers. He went through 11 men and yeah. was left standing. Like, this was... When was the last time we saw, like, a top baby face get a spot like that? I just... This did not work for me at all. Um, mm. It was just completely unbelievable. Yeah. I, I think there's a way to have The Miz be a baby face, but I don't think it's to 
do things like this, you know, he could be, he should be a baby face, but maybe a, a, a different type. I just, to me, it just, yeah, it didn't feel right for his character. Security wasn't enough. We also had to have these poor five guys come out. They just, uh, man, they, they these got poor on TV guys. at least. Yeah. Well, th- this was maybe their unofficial, uh, qualifying segment for the Andre, the giant battle Royal. So Shane cuts a promo. That Miz is as dumb as his father looks as he put the photo up on the screen of Shane manhandling uh, the Miz's dad. He says that when he attacked the Miz in his hometown, it made him feel great. His father was paralyzed with fear. It made Shane euphoric. And he's going to beat Miz all over MetLife Stadium. He accepts the stipulation and wishes that he did more harm to his father for spawning his biggest Miz stake when he impregnated your mother. Yeah, it, I mean, this was no, you know, your family's seen you battle through leukemia, so... I was going to say, like, what what was the the best uh, video package line that we're going to have? Is the leukemia line this, or tell me tell me what, what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Um, They're all candidates for best. No, something, something to me didn't really fully click with all this this week Miz uh, ran through everybody Uh, Sanity was able to take him down but Miz overcame Sanity as I was going uh, out of my Sanity and he leaps off the barricade onto Wolf and Dane into the crowd Shane just watches all of this Um, yes this is going to be a long match I I am predicting this is the one that is going to be trying on this crowd but maybe this stipulation will keep people's uh, attention for what is going to be probably 18 to 20 minutes. I, I think for that reason, like you might see this one go a little bit earlier, but I also think that like we always underestimate the reaction that a Shane McMahon match will get. And I think I've kind of learned not to underestimate him because people love Shane McMahon. I think they got to get to the, the crazy shit immediately. Like no fucking around in the ring for eight minutes. Yeah. I think they just got to get crazy immediately and it should be a sprint. The Iconics did a promo confirming they'll be in the Fatal 4-Way for the WWE Tag Titles. WrestleMania will be iconic. Got it. Gauntlet match. Big E and Xavier Woods started off against Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. This went 48 seconds with up, up, down, down. You wouldn't believe it. Anderson and Gallows lost. Shocking. Shocking result. The locker room was starting to form to watch this match. It had Kofi in the back with Becky, Ray, and Jeff Hardy. Next up was Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura, and they go back again to the locker room. You know who's recovered and is now watching this match with a lot of enthusiasm? Asuka. Oh, she was there? I didn't even know. She was there. She was like smiling as she was watching with Kofi. Oh, wow. So don't worry about her. She's fine, everyone. Uh, Big E sidestepped the Kinshasa, and then in the most heinous physical moment on the show, Shinsuke Nakamura ran. Big E pivoted off of his feet and got out of the laneway and Shinsuke Nakamura, unfortunately he could not stop and the speed took him right into the corner way. And I don't know if you noticed it. It was his shoulder that directly went into the post. That sounds, I rewound. I made sure it was the shoulder into the post. Wow. Interesting way to work over the shoulder. I mean, from such a a mistake where the momentum uh, turned out to be fatal here for Nakamura. And then with that, up, up, down, down, Shinsuke Nakamura is pinned. 
Yeah. I could not have I could not imagine what your reaction would have been one year ago, Way, if I told you next year Royal Rumble winner Shinsuke Nakamura will lose to Xavier Woods clean in a throwaway gauntlet match as the second of five tag teams. Um I don't know. I don't know if I would have been that surprised to be honest. Because I've seen falls from Grace like this pretty often. And you know what? Like I wonder Who, if who's you... gonna be in the spot next year? Who's really hot today that's gonna be nothing Kofi a Kingston. Year from now? Kofi. Um Beyond this run, I mean I'm trying to be realistic here. Beyond this WrestleMania run that really has captured this audience, let's say Kofi wins the belt. Come on, do you really like I don't personally see like that that the, them giving him letting him keep the ball. Let's just say you know beyond this main run, I think he will like you know be be have a have a great moment at WrestleMania or maybe even the the month after. But beyond that, he'll just like he will fall into the same place that you know we've seen people of similar stature and similar pushes fall into afterwards. Uh, the next team was the Bar. So they never brought up that the bar beat Kofi at the last pay-per-view. Um, so now we had Cesaro delivering the, the, the Cesaro swing onto Big E, applied the sharpshooter. They had the heat on Big E for a long time and finally made the tag to Xavier Woods. He hit a Topecon hero to both men. Uh, guillotine leg drop off the top onto Cesaro. Went through the commercial. Cesaro's in control. Sheamus gets caught with a powerbomb by Big E, and then Big E yanks Cesaro off the turnbuckle as they're setting up for white noise, allowing Woods to roll up Sheamus nine and a half minutes, and they advance. But before the next team can come out, there's a post-match attack, and Big E is put through the table, and they explain Kofi Kingston has been barred from ringside, and therefore Kofi Kingston put his title match ahead of his, his friend's safety and just allowed... Big E to get put through a table. Maybe this was the uh, the tease of something that will come to fruition down the road. I didn't see it that way. Well, I I hope that I am seeing this the right way because if not, I think that this was um, what. So straight- you thought you thought this made Kofi look bad because he didn't run down to break? No, the not not so much the not running down part. Um, I okay, I can just cut to to the chase here. The the Usos forfeited, and then the final match was Brian and Rowan. And this followed Brian destroying a locker room. I guess he just watched the Motley Crue yeah. uh, movie. First of all, I, I love the Usos forfeiting. I really do because I liked it too. Yeah. Oh man, like it made them it made them look heroic. Like it did not make the Usos look weak at all. Instead, it comes across like it's the Usos sacrificing their record. Uh, they're all important pro wrestling record uh in, in order to to uh let their friends do, do you not do see that right. as do you not see that as to me um like in the beat the clock in the gauntlet in, in all of the gauntlets like what did the usos have to gain by taking part in this match like i think that's a big gap they had nothing to lose here it's true but i mean you can ask that question of any wrestling match that's not a title match can't you or yeah, but there were stakes. There were stakes here for Big E and Xavier Woods, huge stakes. Sure. And there was nothing for the others. Like, why would you, no. if you're friends with these guys, why would you go through with it? Well, that's the thing. The others weren't friends. These guys, I guess, are friends. And not beyond that, they, they, you know, their characters feel that they, what Kofi Kingston deserves this. The Kofi, they mentioned that Kofi earned their respect and earned the entire locker room's respect. So they will not take advantage of this unfair 
circumstance in order to defeat the the new day i thought it made the usos look great i thought it was actually really clever it kept the usos from having to do a job of course and i also didn't i also think it reinforced their babyface identity at the same time like making the new day uh wanting wanting you to cheer the new day on in this quest so i thought it worked for everybody uh, they ran a promo for Raw next week. Uh, they mentioned Lesnar appearing and the Rousey, Charlotte, and Becky E uh, tag match against the Riot Squad. They did not mention Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio, which is supposed to be happening next week as well. And then they come back. They announce one more team, Daniel Bryan and Rowan. So Bryan comes out with Rowan. He attacks Biggie's knee. Woods is taken out on the floor. There's a big ankle lock applied by Bryan onto E, but then Woods makes the save. Then they clear the announcer's desk. Um, there's a big ending delivered onto Brian. Rowan makes the save. And then on the floor, Rowan goes for the iron claw, but it's avoided by Woods. Rowan then is run into the post several times. He's knocked over the desk, and Big E tips the desk over onto Rowan. And this crowd is going nuts at this point. They are counting along. They count to 10. Rowan is counted out, and therefore Big E and Xavier Woods and I mean, for this gauntlet, it was it built to this finish, and the crowd reacted huge to the payoff at the end. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't say that much about the match. I thought the match was just kind of fine. I personally preferred the bar match more, um, but I thought the finish here was really creative. Uh, I'm I'm surprised. Like, I feel like I must have seen that table spot, like with somebody pinning somebody underneath the table like that. Um, but I, I don't remember the last time and, or if I've ever seen it at all, but I thought in this scenario, like given that the new day were four, four matches deep into this thing really had no chance of, of pinning. You can't pin Brian, even pinning Rowan at this point would have felt really rather unrealistic. So having them rely solely on the resourcefulness and doing the table flip to pin Rowan in order to get the count up victory rather than use their physicality. I thought it was a surprising finish and I thought it was really creative. In terms of the, the, the story of this gauntlet, I, I thought this gauntlet worked so much better than the one last week. I thought that, um, uh, granted, the one last week was designed not to have the happy ending uh, afterwards. But um, why, why do it this way versus Kofi getting this, this big win last week to go in strong as opposed to his friends get him the title match? Do you have an issue with, with uh, the way they went about it here? I feel like... I feel like last week would have been the week to do it. Um, to me, like, I don't know, like, other than gaining one more week, delaying this whole, you know, climax for one more week, and uh, I don't really know if that was worthwhile. Because um, I did like, feel... I, like, I really like the layout of this one, and I think it could have been done verbatim with yeah. Kofi in the role of Big E and Woods. Absolutely, sure. I, I, I just feel like, you know, after... Three gauntlet matches in this man's history, I think <laughs> you, you're wearing the whole concept out a little bit much. And so I felt anticipation for this one kind of be a little bit less. Um, you know, we all know what the end, like finish is going to be anyway. Like, we all know Kofi Kingston is going to get this spot. Why delay it another week rather than, you know, using this week and the week afterwards to really kind of hammer home the match and driving up that personal grudge? I think... This didn't need to happen this week. I would prefer it if it was last, but I like the match. I'll say this, and I'm not expecting this to happen, but you did lay. This is where I will I will defer uh, if this happens down the road. You have laid the groundwork for, um, like Big E to to split 
or yeah. like this whole match, mm-hmm. if that is something that they are planning, um, I, I think you laid the groundwork here. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Yeah, uh, whether or not it, it, it's been intentional, I think you could easily pivot to, uh, um, you know, breakup uh, of the new day once Kofi wins the belt as your next logical program. Again, you know, like the question is, it, you can break these guys up at any time. And I think th- th- as talented as these guys are with the history that they have, the feud will probably be satisfying. But where do you go after? Or, or have you gone too far that breaking these guys up is like whenever you've seen the Hardys break up. Exactly. That it's, they're like, so close. You don't want to see the breakup. Like you wouldn't want to see um, the Bucks break up, for instance. Yeah. I think that people see these three that I don't know how much they would take to a New Day feud that mm-hmm. um, I, I think people might not respond to it all that well. I think it'll be great for the time. But like the question is, where do you go afterwards? You know, can you be sure that all three of these or at least two of the three will be stronger coming out of that breakup as single stars than they are as a package together? Maybe. You know, like certainly like I think all three like the New Day are harder now than they have been for at least an entire year, if not more than that. Maybe even ever like they are front and center main eventers right now, at least as a package, you know, in 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 uh, on SmackDown. And maybe maybe there is a lot more potential now than there was before for a successful single run for Kofi Kingston and Xavier and Biggie. Um, but I hope that they have those plans, but I'm not even a hundred percent sure, you know, like we don't even know if, if they're going to give Kofi the belt. So. And what do Biggie and Xavier Woods get out of this? Like they should certainly be in the tag title program. Well, I mean, they get the satisfaction of seeing their friend main event WrestleMania, but you're right. Like logically logic tells you that if they beat the Usos, even if it was in a forfeit, they should get a title match. Well, how can, how could you. I mean, unless you're doing the Usos and the Hardys at WrestleMania, none of these other teams are involved. I mean, they just they beat all these teams. Right. Yeah. So. Could you see a, another match added? Or the um, Usos? Do you, do you think the Usos get, get, a, get a match? Uh, initially, that, that was the plan, that there was going to be a SmackDown tag title match. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um, I would be in agreement that I think the Uday coming out of this should, should yeah. be in that match. So Kingston runs down to celebrate... Kayla interviews Vince McMahon just as he's stepping into the limo, but this time the limo did not explode. And he says that Kofi Kingston is going to WrestleMania, but he asks if a B-plus player can beat Daniel Bryan for the WWE title. I've got to say, for the guy that was so steadfast about Kofi not getting this match, he really just kind of, um, this was, I guess, his, well, I guess I can't deny him any further. These two buddies of his won a match. Yeah, this was like not Vince kind of being upset about the result even it was just he, like she pretty much shrugged his shoulders like yeah it can it can have a slot he kind of came more across like you know what you proved me wrong you or in fact you stepped up to the challenge and you earned it, it um, you, you stepped up to the monitor backstage and watched a 35 minute match <laughs> that's it yeah um yeah it kind of remains to be seen what vince's role is going to be um next week and and post wrestlemania if he if he is still linked to Kofi Kingston. And then the babyface locker room emptied. Uh, They did not threaten to go on strike uh, for WrestleMania. And uh, there was this one guy who was like leading the charge. And he had like this black t-shirt and the sleeves were cut off uh, with a bit of a beard. Looked kind of French. And he started slapping the apron. Did you catch this guy? Did you notice him? Um, Yeah, I I think he'd like... 
I think he likes pineapple or doesn't like pineapple on pizza. Can't can't put a name to the face. Um, but anyway, that was the close of SmackDown. Well, listen, there are a lot of people that aren't going to get matches at at, at WrestleMania this year. I really don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I think it would have been terrible had you know they felt like. If it was like somebody like oh man, other than Kenny uh, Kevin Owens, I feel like we would have perhaps seen another three way, uh, like in this Kofi Kingston ordeal. You know, that was the other thing. Me and Brian talked about this idea last week after all the baby faces were vouching for Kofi last week, and this week they could come out and they they threatened to go on strike. Well, I was watching this closing scene. I'm seeing Kevin Owens. I'm seeing Oscar, the Hardys. The Usos, like, none of these people are booked on WrestleMania. What are they going to threaten to go on strike for? They're not even booked. True. Yeah. They'd all have to rely on, like, AJ. It, it was also, um, for me, like, uh, a chance to learn who the baby faces are on the <laughs> roster. So we know Nikki Cross is a baby face. Yeah. Sanity is not. And uh, Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sanity. They're not, they're not together at all. Yeah, they're not um, in sync. Uh, Byron, that was SmackDown. Byron was celebrating as well. Yeah, Byron got up and he he joined in on the celebration. So mm-hmm. that is it. Brian and Kofi for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I as of Tuesday morning, still a women's battle royal and a SmackDown tag title match are to be added to the card. So that would bring it up to 15 matches, uh, which with the elimination, we presume, of a, an Oscar match. Um, yeah, that would have been 16. Yeah, I think... You know, those two matches on the kickoff, God, that still feels like it's long. Like, we're, we're talking a two-hour kickoff. Maybe four matches on the kickoff, then? At least three. Yeah, if, like, with the Cruiserweight match, probably two on the kickoff. Um, probably. I would still think so. a really long show, man. But um, I'm not I'm complaining that we're not getting an Asuka title uh, defense. Um, you know, I've, I kind of complain about maybe the means in, in which she lost the belt and, and her title run as a whole, but... The fact that we're not getting that match now, I'm not really upset about at all. That's a larger problem. It's to yeah. me, you know, it's it's not a loss to this card by any stretch. It's just a more an indictment of you know where Oscar has been um, and and handled. And I think that you know, given all those circumstances, I, I don't have an issue with this decision. And I do think it's you know, it's propping up the SmackDown Women's Title and that main event now as well. Yeah, I know you're not as high on it, but I I think that they they enhance that match uh, with this somewhat. The, the, I I don't know if it's a giant change. The Kofi match? Sorry, no, I'm talking about the raw, the women's title match. Oh, okay. By yeah, sure. putting the title on Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I thought uh, the gauntlet, uh, the last two falls, I thought were handled really well, and I think it should be mentioned that like this was a great crowd. Like at no point. Yeah, they they got the reaction for that ending. That. Yeah. You know, it was it was a really strong reaction to the finish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I kind of have I don't know. I feel like this is a like a thumbs in the middle kind of show. Sure, five out of ten. I was really really disappointed with the angle, AJ, um, whatever the hell that was. I agree with you. I thought perhaps, um, yeah, that and Charlotte versus Oscar being so rushed. I maybe more disappointments than you know uh, things I enjoyed about this show. So I go five I, out of I, I like that, Matt. I like Charlotte and Asuka. I mean, they did get two segments. Um, I don't know how long it was exactly. For me, it was more so like just the circumstance of it all. I just don't like rush um, title changes, especially with somebody like Asuka. But again, we're, 
we're 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 going off on a tangent. All right, let's head on over to the forum and see what everyone wants to chat about. Um, I said five, so let's see a five point four. So Ron SmackDown very close this week. Okay, off by like a few decimal points. Brandon from Oshawa. I fucking hated this show, and you know what? It wasn't even bad. It was actually really good. Okay. If it wasn't for the fact that it's taking place two weeks before WrestleMania. Kofi looked like a complete and total bitch tonight. There's no other way of putting it. I think you could put it different ways, Brandon. You mean to tell me that a person with any pride at all, after screwing, getting screwed week after week, is going to come out dancing with pancakes and then let his friends do all the fucking talking? Are you kidding me? What kind of weak booking is that? Then Charlotte wins the SmackDown title, making Asuka an even bigger joke. Again, this wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't two fucking weeks out. Are they going to unify the titles? If not, what's the point? I didn't need another title added to it. It wasn't going to make this match any bigger. Then Kurt Angle finally looks like he's going to have a decent match with someone, and they screw that up in two minutes. I was actually excited about this uh, Angle-AJ match, after that, or Orton-AJ match after that first promo, and now it's just back to basic, lazy, meaningless writing ever since. Uh, Brandon goes on, total garbage show, but props to your interview with Kenny John. It blew away everything on this piece of crap show. Well, Brandon's not easy to please, so I'm glad my Omega interview at least was uh, a bit soothing for Brandon, who was very angry with SmackDown. Paul from New Jersey. Another gauntlet match. Maybe WWE is trying to prepare us for the gauntlet that is going to be WrestleMania. Speaking of which, I'm totally fine with Charlotte adding the SmackDown women's title to the Mania main event and putting the rest of the women's division in the Battle Royal. I know a lot of people were pissed that Charlotte won, but everyone is also dreading how long the show is going to be, so I'm completely fine with this. I'd like to get back to my house by sunrise if possible. (laughs) Might be tough. What's, What's your prediction, Way? How many minutes will WrestleMania be? We should do a contest. How many minutes will WrestleMania be? Because I would say the over-under, if I say 430 minutes. How many hours is that? That's like seven. Seven hours and change. Yeah, I mean, my my guess is uh, more than seven hours, a little bit more than seven. So, 431. Did I say, how many minutes did I say there? You said 430. I just priced as righted you. Okay, okay. Anyway... Uh, okay, so, um, you know what, like, I, I understand, like, them wanting to um, eliminate that that Asuka women's title match, but I think you could have just not done the match at WrestleMania, too. Like, it's not like the only option was to get the belt off of Asuka, put it onto Becky, or, or put it onto Charlotte in order to eliminate that match. They could have simply just not done the match. Is, th- is that not more an indictment of... Like that title that it's not even booked at WrestleMania. Like it's so, so like many one, titles, one is the though. main event, the other doesn't even qualify for a spot on the seven hour show. The problem is they have so many titles. That and I- maybe this is a step uh, towards rectifying that issue. Like I would be so happy if we just have one women's champion uh, by the spring. Sure. Yeah, I guess so. It's better for TV. But then you have people complaining that, you know, Raw doesn't have a champion on every show. Uh, like with with Brock being away, so but but this winner isn't going away with the title. No, what I mean is like right now we essentially only have one world like men's world championship, right? Between yes. the two shows because Brock Lesnar is not there, and people complain that Raw doesn't have a champion. Um, if you only have one women's championship, the other show is not going to have one. And our no, she can go back and forth. I think the champion should have that ability. But the, we've seen how that worked out. 
like with the undisputed belt and that you can't always sell a, a, a compelling story if one person only appears on one show but if it is your biggest star that should have that championship i think you want to have that ability especially come the fall that i, I think that the raw smackdown divide is going to be very very thin uh when, when fox is in the picture and you're going to want to have at least a storyline reason, uh, if not an outright elimination of the brand split. I understand. But, I mean, you get into a scenario where, okay, let's say Becky Lynch becomes the undisputed women's champion. She's She can bounce between two shows. But uh, whoever her opponent is, Carmella, like, is only on one show. So she's going to spend half the time talking to the camera and not interacting with Carmella. That might be a problem. Yeah, but I think if you if you have things plotted out, like I don't think the women have to be tied to a title program to have meaningful programs uh, while the championship program is happening on Raw for this cycle. And on SmackDown, we have other programs. I don't think you it necessitates that the title is there um, sure. and you can still have the champion popping up every now and then. I think there's ways to do it. And. I prefer it over this method where we have run really strong women's title and one that doesn't mean anything. I think that's debatable, you know, which what what the better scenario is. I, I think, you know, even if it's a WrestleMania, not every championship needs to be defended. And sometimes that means, you know, even a championship like the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think WrestleMania should be like the playoffs. It should be just the hottest programs that are up there, regardless of who's got a belt. But... Anyway, he, uh, he continues, Paul says, Very much enjoyed the promos between The Miz, Shane, and The Foot Clan. Surprisingly, this has been a pretty good feud, and I'd rather see a false count anywhere match than a singles between these two guys. Andrew from Cape Breton. So I was at the gym at my work camp, and I saw someone on the treadmill turn on SmackDown. And that's when they had the women's title match on. I looked at the hashtag at the top of the screen and realized it was a title match, and I was actually more interested in that than working out. I saw a lot of backlash to Oscar losing, but I think it was the best decision. I hate the concept of branded titles like a Raw or SmackDown title, so the idea that they may unify the titles is the best idea. Again, we don't know that for sure if they are unifying them. Sadly, Oscar was a victim of poor booking recently and the fact that she's a champion when they have their first ever women's main event at WrestleMania. This was for the best. I did get to catch the entirety of the tag gauntlet, and I thought it ended with a feel-good moment at the end with the entire roster coming out. 7 out of 10 show. Jay from Colorado. Roses are red. Sanity with Shane makes me frown. When the f- for the first time since I don't know when Raw was better than SmackDown. Wow, the poet sorry. laureate Jay from Colorado. Screwed up uh, a del- your delivery story. Seriously, what the fuck was this show even? I'm just going to start writing my own storylines in my head now to explain this. Okay, how is this? Shane discovered a portal to the parallel universe and found a post-apocalyptic version of the Main Street Posse. There, that's a better explanation than Sandy just joining because why not? Also, remember this date, gentlemen. We witnessed the needless destruction of Asuka. There was just no reason for this, none. Uh, the two qualities I hate about myself is ranting and writing shitty poetry, and this show has forced me to do both. Raymond from Lincoln. It's pretty amazing to go from being a completely exclusive podcast listener to someone that wants to see what the product looks like leading up to the biggest show of the year, at least in terms of how many hours it'll be. With a lot of mostly tepid builds, the most talked about and screwed with is the main event. I cannot understand having Becky tap to Asuka in January. Have Asuka disappear, have nothing to do for nearly two months, advertise a four-way a week ago to determine who the forgotten champion will face, and then an hour before the show, change your mind to have Charlotte, a consistent loser based on recent record, Win clean and have a title. 
Yeah. Okay, we go to Jalen from Pickering. I laughed out loud when the title match started because we all knew what was coming next. This makes killing time with Charlotte and Becky after the Rumble, while not featuring Asuka and the title, look even stupider. At least the Usos were booked pretty properly against the New Day, and the ending was strong. What would you like to see, presuming that we are getting that SmackDown tag title match at WrestleMania? What What is the program with the Usos? I think they've, you... They've teased the Hardys. Yeah, I think they, you... I think you involve the Hardys. Honestly, I'm kind of like, I don't have to see the New Day in a wrestling match. I think Woods and Xavier will play a big role in, in Kofi's main event spot. Um, probably ringside against Eric Rowan. Um, so I don't think they have to be a part of it. Personally, if I, it was up to me, I I don't know if I would do the match. Like, I think it's already bloated enough show. And I, I love the uses, but I mean, they've hot, hardly been hot this entire year. So I personally wouldn't necessarily do the match. Yeah, I mean you've you've got a week left. Um, you know there was no hint of it tonight. Um, but yeah, as as of a Tuesday gauntlet. morning, I a oh, <laughs> Yeah, we're we're gonna start at noon on WrestleMania Sunday. We're gonna do a we'll do a gauntlet right up until the pre-show. Uh, Raphael writes this episode ruined WrestleMania for me. <laughs> oh please, come on. <laughs> have Oscar drop the title right before Mania makes her look like a joke, and fans like idiots for believing in her. The Kofi story makes even less sense this week than it did before. AJ and Kurt was a waste of time. Why even mention it ahead of uh, if it was a surprise? I would have been less pissed. I almost enjoyed the gauntlet until I saw that Asuka and Naomi are idiots cheering for a team even though they were screwed. If WWE has Asuka join the women's match, it will still be bad booking. Asuka's not joining that women's match. No, no. (laughs) Oh, man, that'll be weird. God. Cash says, my biggest takeaway after they announced Shane Miz as falls count anywhere. They're going 20 minutes and Mania will be 9 hours. If Becky wins both belts, does that potentially buy them a little more time to decide whether to keep her on SmackDown or move her to Raw? It's a stretch to think they planned so far in advance, but it does make sense. Uh, we shall find out. Xavier and Biggie are stars, just like Kofi. These guys deserve the success and the high-profile spot. The Usos giving the respect made sense considering they were by their side just last week and have had a mutual respect gimmick with these guys all year long now. Brian is such a great heel. Amazing since he was an amazing face. His talking over Vince had me in stitches. Everyone coming out at the end was fine. You had Becky and KO there, so it wasn't just the scrub squad. This is a scene you could end WrestleMania with. But with the final spot reserved for a moment that will hopefully be more memorable, doing it tonight was fine. Tyler from Orlando. I thought everything involving the New Day was fantastic, especially the Usos coming down and forfeiting. I'm glad someone backstage remembered that those two teams have immense respect for each other. Charlotte beating Oscar two weeks away from Mania is questionable. I think they just didn't want another title match on the show. Anyways, I'm starting to get excited for Mania Week. Looking forward to watching everything from home this year as I went to the last two. 7 out of 10 for tonight's show. We go to Roger, finally, from Athens, Georgia, who says... Um... I have so little faith in in the WWE creative team that I literally thought they gave Gable and Rude a clumsy comedy team gimmick. Referring to the uh, Snickers ad. My first clue should have been the fact that Rude and Gable are a raw tag team, but who the hell can keep up anymore? Having now caught up with the rest of the show, I can say that with the exception of Miz and Shane, this WrestleMania build has been abysmal. I don't think I can tune in to these weekly main roster shows going forward and will instead just listen to John and Way recap them. I really appreciate the suffering you two put yourselves through every Monday and Tuesday for our benefit. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I wouldn't call this suffering at all. No. 
I, I think that there's um, there's been good elements of the build and less satisfactory elements to the build up for WrestleMania. Yes, it's going to be a very long show. I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff on the show. There's going to be inevitably some stuff that does not hit that drags. I think that's it, that's unavoidable with the the modern presentation of WrestleMania in this format. That's just not something you're going to be able to avoid. And frankly, I think that there needs to be certain matches on this card that are going to be somewhat like come down matches that are, are not asking you for all of your attention from start to finish. So I'd love to see added to the card, a 20 minute mandatory nap oh, for everybody be... in the audience. Yes. It'd be perfect. We'd all be refreshed for like the second half of the show. Like, there should be somebody like checking to make sure everybody is actually sleeping. Yeah, but then Pat McAfee's gonna put a video up chastising all the people for not making noise and sleeping. That would be a problem. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you have enjoyed our review of SmackDown. We will be back once again Wednesday night, part of the Post Wrestling Cafe with the Double Shot, reviewing the Kenny Omega documentary that's airing in Canada on TSN. Uh, if you want to go check out our interview with Kenny Omega, you can do so at postwrestling.com, youtube.com slash postwrestling. Uh, check that out. Appreciate all the kind feedback uh, to the interview. Uh, anything else, Way? Any closing words? No, um, no, uh, no closing words. And, uh, (laughs) how about I get your reaction? This, uh, headline, maybe Kofi is getting a rebranding because the headline on WWE.com does not read Kofi Kingston is going to be challenging Daniel Bryan. The headline says dreadlocked dynamo to challenge Daniel Bryan on the grandest stage of them all. (laughs) The dreadlocked dynamo. Dreadlocked dynamo. Who wrote that? Wow. I don't know. But when you click on it, it's a different headline when you click on it. And it just says, <laughs> WWE champion, the new Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. Dreadlocked. I love it. Oh, my God. Oh, it's in the body of the article. Dreadlocked oh, is Dynamo. it? Oh, yeah. God. That's a um, new one. Yeah, if, if we hear that incessantly <laughs> on commentary next week, that is clearly his new tagline. Oh, my God. I love it. I would buy that shirt. All right, and with that, we will uh, say goodbye to everyone and speak with you on Wednesday night.